This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. All right, today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to hear from Gene Park. Do you want to be a gamer? What are some rules of the road? He wrote a great article for the Washington Post. We'll talk to him. Plus, there is all kinds of UFC 249 breaking news. Khabib is out. Is Justin Gaethje in? We'll get to all of that as well. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays at 3 p.m. right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Luke Thomas Show. Hope you're doing well. As always, do me a favor. Keep the emails coming. LukeThomasShow at gmail.com. You can write us for Wednesday's mailbag, or you can leave us a voicemail, which we can play at any time. Yeah? All right. Appreciate that. And of course, give us a follow on Twitter, at MMA on SiriusXM. Well, we got to react to the news coming out of, uh, well, Habib's, Habib Nurmagomedov's Instagram. I guess he did an Instagram live like late last night or early this morning. Basically, this is the headline, which is a, a recap from MMA Junkie. Let me just read you the headline so you can get an understanding of like where we're headed with all of this. Habib Nurmagomedov says he's under lockdown in Russia. UFC 249 may go ahead, quote, with or without me. Let me set the context here, if I may. Uh, various different localities in Russia are engaging in uh, you know, the occasional form of quarantining, social distancing, the whole nine yards. Uh, the Moscow mayor might just close down the whole joint. Uh, in the major city there, because they appear to be the center of the outbreak in that particular country as it relates to COVID-19. And uh, the bigger news was that on Friday, they had grounded international flights. And then today, now of course, they're obviously many hours ahead, but today they closed the borders. So Habib is basically, as I understand it, I mean, there could be some kind of way to get him out. I don't know for absolute certainty, but in general, it's believed that he is stuck there. So he did an Instagram live, Nurmagomedov did, to explain his situation on Monday. So I guess that was like, you know, how many hours ahead it is. Uh, He revealed he's stuck in Dagestan after he had traveled to the United Arab Emirates for UFC 249, but ran into trouble. Quote, we were training at AKA without any information regarding the fight. This is Habib talking, translated. Where and how it's going to happen, he said. Then the UFC told us that the fight 100% isn't happening in the Estates. So then they said they said 99% it will happen in the United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi. After talking to the UFC, we decided to fly over to the Emirates a month before the fight. I don't remember the exact date, he says, 19th or 20th. But when we landed in the Emirates, we learned that they are going to close their borders and no one will be able to leave or fly in, with the exception of residents. So... We have to fly back to Russia. Currently, I'm in Dagestan, and I'm training and preparing every day, although I do not know what I am preparing for. Because after we came to Russia, we had also learned that the borders are going to be locked. Same like in the States. Same like in Europe. Emirates everywhere. The whole world is in quarantine right now. So it looks like he's in Russia, which makes it very difficult that to imagine he's going to be able to fly somewhere to be in a fight on the 18th. I mean, no one knows that for sure. Not looking good. So he goes on and says, so now I'm hearing that they are looking to organize it, talking about UFC 249, with or without me. 
Okay, go ahead, he said. Everyone should follow the laws. I'm not against it. I know that fighters need to feed their families and pay their bills, and I don't know how hard it is for the fighter. Unless they fight, they aren't getting any money. I am even hearing that they are looking for an opponent for Tony because he is in the States and I am here in Russia, but I am here not on my own will. The UFC told me that this fight 100% isn't happening in the USA, and even if it's not happening in the Emirates, it will happen on this side of the Atlantic. We discussed everything with the UFC. Uh, by that time, I'd already spent five weeks of hard training at AKA. Now I really don't know what's going on. It's really hard to train and cut your weight when the whole world is locked down and you don't know where you, what you are preparing for. But it's not the first time I've faced obstacles in my career, end quote. All right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it takes a genius to know what I'm going to say about all of this. Right? This is all quite obviously and sadly predictable. Not the individual circumstance of him being in Dagestan or in Abu Dhabi. That part, no, I have no idea about. But folks, let's retrace the steps here for just a second. Okay. You have a highly contagious disease that is spreading around the world. It's on six continents. This disease, while it does not kill the vast majority of people that it comes into contact with, is both deadly enough that it kills far more than the average flu, orders of magnitude more, and it hospitalizes an even greater proportion. Okay, So what ends up happening is, if you don't take measures to stop it, and there are a variety of measures you can take, at least in theory... What ends up happening is you're going to have a lot of deaths, and aside from the deaths, you are going to overwhelm your healthcare system, which means that once it's overwhelmed, people there for any other reason or people there for COVID-19 just won't be able to get the kind of attention and care and resources that they might need in order to survive or make a better recovery or you name it. So what might those uh, various instruments be that state actors can use? Well, one... If you have a vaccine, you can use that. Two, if you have a vaccine or some kind of treatment that is highly effective against the virus, that will work. It turns out at this juncture, we have neither of those. So what world governments are doing from China to Iran to Taiwan to now Russia, the United States, Canada, Brazil, uh, the way, by the way, announced today a 30-day lockdown. It won't affect UFC 250, but if they extend it, it will because it, it will ban any foreign visitor, okay? The only other instrument that these state actors have is social distancing, quarantining, some kind of suppression method by keeping people basically locked in their homes. That is all they have. And what that enables them to do is to slowly deal with the problem over time uh, in order to avoid mass, de mass deaths and uh, the healthcare systems melting down, Okay. That's it. That's the only thing that they have. That is why you see state actors electing to use them, because there's nothing else. Not right now. Now, that could change maybe as early as tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know what exactly all the progress is. Not so much in terms of vaccine. That seems a little bit ways off. But other forms of treatment that could potentially help. Okay? So, knowing that several weeks ago, that there was not going to be a vaccine anytime soon, and even a treatment probably not right away, it was going to be clear that the states, and when I say states, I don't mean just Arizona or New Mexico, I mean Russia, China, France, Spain, who took it upon themselves to suppress interaction among their citizenry 
were going to give themselves some kind of a chance at fighting this and preventing an outbreak or at least containing it, mitigating the worst effects of it. The earlier you do that and the harsher you do that, the better your chances of ultimately avoiding worst case scenarios as it relates to the healthcare system and individual deaths. That is the situation that every world government faces at this point. Now, to varying degrees of severity, some already have an outbreak, uh, some are trying to prevent one, some are trying to mitigate the worst elements of it. There are different scenarios, but in terms of the instruments available to treat it, basically, in any kind of widespread sense, that's all there is. So, folks, as this gets worse, let's make some predictions for April. I suspect, and it's hard to know exactly on what terms, but I suspect that whatever travel restrictions you see now, they will be even worse in this country and in many others by April 15th. The chances of them being uh, expanded or worsened by May 1st are also strong. <sighs> Excuse me, not Corona. Just got allergies. This is not hard to predict. I'm not making a prediction because I have done advanced mathematical modeling, but I have listened to the experts. And what the experts are saying is that this is going to get much worse before it gets better. April is going to be a particularly hard month in the United States. And as a consequence, understanding what instruments are available to various, uh, you know, state here in terms of local and then international state uh, in terms of what those instruments are that are available, it's, it's, it's widely known what they are. Either hardcore quarantining or something slightly less than that. That's it. That's the beginning and the end of how they treat this. There is no other answer. So the idea that like things are going to get easier between now and April 15th, or as it relates to UFC 249, April 18th, is just ridiculous. Consider that Florida is now beginning to pick up some steam in terms of the number of cases there. And their governor, DeSantis, has not really instituted the same kinds of advisories and restrictions on interpersonal interaction that other states have. Dude, they're going to have a bad outbreak there. right? And you're beginning to see the results of Mardi Gras now take effect in Louisiana, which is a week or so away from their healthcare system melting down. That's not an exaggeration. That's what the governor is saying. That's not me saying that. That's the governor saying that. None of this stuff is hard to predict. None of it. None of it. It's not difficult. So this is why when promoters are getting out here and they're saying this will go on and this will happen, I'm saying to myself, well, even if you could do it in the sense of getting around the restrictions, which I don't know that you can, is it a good idea? What will it even look like? Blah, blah, blah. But then you think to yourself, it, well, wait a second, is it even logistically possible? I mean, there's certain elements of it that are logistically possible, but is, is that even possible at this point? It's only, listen, folks, here is what they're all saying. And there was a, a study done. I had, uh, I had uh, retweeted it uh, from Justin Wolfers, who's an economist. They looked at the Spanish flu. You know what they found? They found that the cities and the territories who were the earliest and longest lasting act, not longest lasting, I should say, but... The, the cities and the territories that acted first and acted uh, with more stringent methods to suppress interaction between people in the Spanish flu, 
they actually were the first ones to get out from under it and the ones that had the best economic recoveries. To the extent, to the extent that we listen to the experts, to the extent that we follow their advice, to the extent that we do what they say, is to the extent we get done with this quicker and the sooner we get back to our lives. The longer we delay this, the longer we're going to have a problem. That's what I'm talking about. That is your issue. And that's what we're up against right here. So what exactly is the world going to look like on April 15th or April 18th or 25th? Some version of what we have now, maybe some places like China are going to begin to open up, but virtually all the other places are still going to be dealing with this. And as it spreads to those new territories, it's going to make those lockdowns, quarantines, travel restrictions even stronger. This is not hard to predict. This is very, 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 very straightforward. If you don't know Sirius XM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy Sirius XM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash Luke Thomas to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash Luke Thomas. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. We've been talking about this news about Khabib Nurmagomedov being stuck in Russia. It appears to be true because it has been reported by ESPN's Ariel Hawani that the UFC is looking to make a fight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. Yes, you heard that correct. They want to still roll on with this April 18th deadline. They want to still make it happen, but they realize they're probably not going to be able to get Khabib out of Russia uh, anytime soon. And so let's go with what we have. Does that mean it would be on Native American territory here? Right? Because part of this is, okay, let's say you actually roll with it. I mean, there's a million questions, but... Part of it is, if you roll with this, does that mean now that uh, you're going to stay stateside? Because before, apparently, they were telling him it was going to be in Abu Dhabi. Now it's going to be, I guess, stateside? Because how are you going to get those crews to travel internationally? I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, none of this is a good idea, but that's a harder thing to pull off, right? So there's that. Uh, But here's where this comes down to me. It's like, dude... We've waited, what, five years for this fight to happen? It's the fifth time. You can't wait six more months. We're just going to blow it all up. Dude, what if just... look? Listen, is there anything wrong on its own terms, in a vacuum, without any greater context? If I told you, hey, Tony Ferguson's going to fight Justin Gaethje, could that be a good fight? Who in their right mind would say anything other than yes? Who in their right mind would say, wow, let's, you know... Boy, there's two guys who are just not action fighters. I don't know what you can really expect from them. Are you crazy? Of course it'd be a good fight. Absolutely, it'd be a, it'd be a great fight. It'd be a phenomenal fight. And, and I would want to see it. But number one, how have they been training? Are they ready? What's that going to be like? Like, when I say a phenomenal fight, I mean, again, in a vacuum. Both guys training. Now, Tony's been training. Has Justin been training? I'm sure he's been staying active. Is he fight ready? I mean, the answer is maybe, I don't know, but now it's an open question, right? 
And there was video Aaron Bronstetter found from him back in July. Uh, I'm not sure when this was. Like the last MMA awards. There was like a red carpet. This was in 2019. And he said, you know, he was offered to fight Tony on four weeks notice and couldn't do it. It's like, okay, I get these are different circumstances, but is that still the case today in terms of your feelings about it? So that's something to take into consideration as well. But I mean, I think the bigger point is the one I wanted to make about the fight itself. It's like, dude, we've been waiting five years for this. I know. I know it feels like everything is cursed. Khabib gets injured. Then Tony gets injured. Then Khabib gets injured. Then Tony gets injured. Then they make it, and then there's a global effing pandemic. You just feel like you can't get out from under it. I, I get it, dude. I get it. I completely understand. When you're under the weight of bad luck, the bad luck feels like it's meant to be. But it's not. It's not. There's no such thing as that. This is all just a figment of our, again, I, imaginations, which I understand to a degree. This is all just a figment of, you know, concern. This is a figment of people just being sick of waiting. I, 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 or, you know, I shouldn't say a figment, a result of people just wanting to wait. I get it. I get it. But what I'm trying to explain is is not real. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I was somebody who, I don't know if I believed in curses per se, but I sort of believed in the idea of, um, I don't know, it felt like my home teams were never going to win. It felt like my home teams here, my Caps, my Wizards, whoever, they were just never going to be able to get it done. And you, you think, what's it going to take? But the reality is, if you've got a good process, if you've got the right people, and you just keep swinging the axe, eventually good things happen. Not on the, on the terms that you wanted to in terms of the speediness of it, but, but good things do happen. They eventually work. I am not of the belief that if you didn't try to make this now, it'll never happen and we have to go a separate direction. I'm not of that belief. I don't think that that is true. And you can't, there's nothing you could say to make me believe that because there's no evidence other than I believe in curses. I believe in magic. I believe in Merlins and wizards and shit. Well, I don't. I believe in bad luck. That's true. I certainly believe in bad luck, but I don't believe in any of the other crap. This is bad luck. This is clearly bad luck. Okay. It does not feel great understand what we have been saying about Tony versus Khabib for all this time. We have been saying it's one of the most important fights in MMA history. We have been saying it's one of the most important, if not the most important fight in lightweight history. It is arguably designed to determine who is the best lightweight ever. All of that and more. That is what this fight is principally about. We're going to throw that away so we can make what could be a good fight, but could be something that's a much lesser version of what it should be because we're rushing it in the middle of a global pandemic when people are not going to have much money anyway. Let's square the circle here a little bit. Today it was announced that Macy's is going to furlough 130,000 employees, right? And during the last economic recession, pay-per-view had a strong argument because the argument then was, hey, people get together studies show for pay-per-views, which means when they get together, that means they split costs. It ends up being a bargain and a relatively inexpensive evening to go and watch fights together. 
And there was some truth to that. You don't get that now. So we're just going to we're going to punt on one of the most important fights in MMA history to make something that could be good but could be a, a much lesser version where if one guy wins, who by the way is a bad dude and Justin Gaethje, it blows up the possibility of booking a Khabib versus Tony later. And you might say, well, if Justin could beat him, what was the point of Khabib fighting him? Because that was Khabib's opportunity. You had to get one of them to do it to make that process complete. We're going to do all these risks where people might not have any money in 19 days. You know how fast this pandemic is moving? You think it's going to be better in 19 days? It's going to be worse in 19 days. It's not going to be any better. You've got to have some patience about this. So I say no. I mean, it's not up to me, but I say no. I say no thank you. Not interested. Don't want it. Here's what I think the UFC should be doing. Either providing financial relief to some of these fighters or providing corporate guidance on how they can be eligible for this something called the PUA, the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, uh, part of that $2 trillion package that was passed. Because now... Independent contractors are eligible for financial relief. Well, dude, let's get money in the hands of fighters right away. Let's get money in their pockets right away and not from fighting from the things that the federal government has set up to help them with. The money is there. Let's give it to them. And by the way, I saw Barcelona players taking salary cuts up to 70% so that the rest of the club could have money. Maybe there could be some leadership there. I saw the, uh, the, the two top honchos at Endeavor were no longer going to take a salary. There are ways to do this without blowing up one of the most important fights ever. That's what we should do. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. All right, welcome back. Luke Thomas Show. Joining us now on the hotline, uh, this was an article I saw over the weekend. I had to get the guy on. A lot of people have, obviously, a lot more time at home, and some are either upping their games or just getting interested in becoming gamers. Uh, He wrote an article for the Washington Post called, So You Want to Be a Gamer? Here's How You Can Start. It's Gene Park. Hi, Gene. How are you? Hi, Luke. How's it going? Good. Hey, Gene, was this your idea to write this article, or someone put you up to it? Because whoever was uh, writing it, boy, this article is right on time. Yeah, yeah, it was actually my idea, and it, it did come from other people like bugging me all the time, uh, asking me, hey, so I guess, I guess I should become a video gamer now. Um, what should I do? Um, because I've read all my books, I'm tired of the shows, I need like, mental stimulation other than just like vegging out on TV. Um, and so I, I thought about writing this article and I, and I, I worked on it for like the last couple of weeks and it's been hard because there's, there's so much to talk about when it comes to becoming a gamer. It's not like, it's like asking someone like, okay, so I want to start watching movies. Where do I start? It's a little easier, but you can also, you also have to get into like what kind of movie they might like and that kind of thing. But there's so much more barriers for entry in terms of actually became, becoming a gamer. And I can explain a little bit more about like my own thinking behind, behind that. 
Yeah, well, first, actually, what kind of a gamer are you? I'm not sure that's all that relevant per se, but just out of curiosity's sake, when you game, what do you do? Sure, I like to like lose myself in like the, the environment, the story. I like to uh, get immersed in something. Uh, right before you call, I just uh, finished playing a session of Half Life Alex. Uh, it's a it's a VR game, so I'm definitely like in in a in, in literally a whole other world uh, while playing it. So I enjoy forgetting about myself and getting lost in stories and and environments. And, and it, it it depends on what kind of story that could be. It could be a story where my, me and my friends are playing, or it could be a story that's created by uh, whoever uh, made the game. All right. So let me tell you why I love this article because. Uh, you know, I grew up as a kid in the 90s when arcades were still a thing. Mortal Kombat 2 remains mm-hmm. my favorite game. And so I have a PC tower that I had bought for work so I could stream on YouTube related to those mm-hmm. functions. And, of course, now we're at home. Someone said, you can just plug in an Xbox controller, download the game, and you can play. And I did. And I have to say, it was like being reunited with an old friend. It was so fun. So let's talk about that. Are there profiles of people who would be help this be helpful towards? And what I mean by that is, there are some people who maybe never played. There are some people like me who played before and want to and want to pick it back up. Is there a difference there in terms of what they might ultimately choose? Yeah, great question. Uh, uh, you are a perfect example because I get a lot of folks like you, where it's like, hey, I played a lot of games in the nineties or eighties, and and you know, like life got in the way and and other stuff happened, right? And I want to get back into it. Um, so like that's kind of like what I try to like angle for, but in terms of like getting into gaming, it's hard because like it's like trying to read, you know, like you can't enjoy a book if you don't know how to read or read that language. The same way with a game, if you don't know how to control a game, if you don't know how to read what the game is trying to tell you, then it's going to be impossible for you to move forward. Um, so I try to choose games in my piece that would be really good set of training wheels for people who are really, really beginning, who will have no idea how to like control a 3D game, who don't know one thing about Mortal Kombat, um, where can you start? And so I, I just try to choose uh, different types of games for different types of people. So I'm glad you said profile too, because I, I cite uh, a survey by Quantic Foundry. It's a California analytics firm, um, and they do consulting for different uh, game studios. And they basically ask like what kind of person do you want do you want to attract what kind of gamer do you want to attract what kind of game do you want to be uh, and this and my article goes into like what motivates you as a person versus like what kind of game you would you like you know so some somebody might like a farming game uh so i might like think of someone who's like really chill and want like and i'll think oh they, they might just want a farming game but they they might be thinking no i actually want something more exciting and action action oriented and fast paced and like the farm game might turn them off. So it's like, okay, so like, like I think these are the questions you need to be asking yourself first before you decide like maybe what kind of game you might want to play first. All right. Now the article you wrote, which we'll share here on the uh, station Twitter, it breaks it down sort of by console. So let's go that way because it's probably just an easy way to navigate it beyond um, yeah. larger profiles. One of the things you recommend, especially if people are new to gaming and the beginners, is the Nintendo Switch. Now, not exclusive to beginners, but it's a great place mm-hmm. to start. What is the Switch, and what makes it such a great option for that kind of buyer? The Nintendo Switch is the latest console from Nintendo. Uh, it's a hybrid console, uh, at least a regular Switch. There's two versions now, the Switch and the Switch Lite. The regular Switch is a hybrid console that you can hook up to your TV, and if you, if you just want to uh, roam around with it, you can just disconnect it, and you, walk, you can walk around to the subway train with it and continue playing. So that's the beauty of it, uh, especially since a lot of people are really, really love mobile gaming. 
not so much useful right now, but, but, but which is why I, I recommend a Razor Switch um, if you want to be able to play with your family. Uh, but the Switch is also wonderful because uh, for anyone who, who played Mario or Tetris or Zelda back in the day, those games are still there on the Switch, and they they might even be the exact same games you played. Um, if you play, if you pay twenty dollars, I'm start, starting to sound like an ad right now. But the, the Nintendo Online service is twenty bucks, relatively cheap, and you get two apps that give you Nintendo and Super Nintendo games from the eighties and nineties for free. So you can always go that way, and then you can play the the new Mario games or the new Mario Kart games or the new Zelda games that are really really similar to what they used to be before, and. And hopefully it'll feel like uh, um, you haven't really meant to be. Now, there's an interesting dilemma here, which is you've always had the last few years case of PS4 versus Xbox One. Well, now there's a PS5 coming out and an Xbox One X. So what's the best way to navigate those two companies and those four consoles? Yeah, it's tough. And I definitely try to mention that in the article. But, um, you know, Sony and Microsoft is still promising that the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 are coming out by the holiday. Um, you know, there's been doubts because of the whole coronavirus and the, the impact to the global supply chain, but they seem to be pretty confident and uh, nothing's changed so far. Um, I would guess that they would probably cancel that if they really felt like there were issues. That being said, the PlayStation 4 has been out for the last seven years and it has like thousands of games that, 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 any, that you, if you haven't played any of that, and you haven't played any PC games over the last several years, then the PS4 is, is a great pickup because it's just going to keep you busy for so long. And the PS5, it's probably going to take another year or two before it, before it's even worth getting. Um, that, that's generally the rule for, for consoles. So, you know, you can easily set that out and have fun with your PS4 right now. Um, so it really depends on how desperate you are to want a game right now. Um, you know, I try to give so many different options. The Nintendo Switch right now seems to be sold out uh, everywhere because, um, and it, it seems to be advice that people are, are, are taking before my article even came out. Um, and then there's the PS4 and, PS, the P, and Xbox One, but then people might already have their PC like you did, you know, and th- th- there's, there's so many different options with there too. How common is what I did where I'm not looking for PC specific games, I'm looking for, you know, games that are typically, whether this, I mean, this is my impression, maybe this is wrong but they're more mm-hmm. associated as console games. I just kind of plugged in. I mean, I literally have an Xbox controller I just plugged in. How common is that? Yep. Uh, super common. Um, the, the, the reason why a lot of console games, a lot of PC games also seem like console games is because a lot of developers are trying to make games for both platforms, right? So uh, they, might be, they, they might be focusing on, like, they, they're, they're trying to think about the overall market, right? They're trying to think about consoles and PC. So that's why some PC games will definitely just feel like console games, and they're just on both. That's something that a lot of new gamers need to understand. You know, like, like I just straight up get asked, how come I can't play a Mario game on my PlayStation? Well, that's because they're different companies, you know? It's not like you can use Instagram on your iPhone and on your Android phone on your samsung phone you know you have like like that that there is like like platform parity between both but as far as video games goes it's still very much walled off all right now what if all this is still too much you just want mobile gaming we do have powerful phones these days are there some decent options folks should explore there oh absolutely um a lot of people think so much about mobile games as like you know clash of clans or candy crush but there's a lot of great games out there uh, right now. Call of Duty is on, uh, is on mobile. Um, and you mentioned that you have your Xbox One controller. 
just last year, Apple uh, uh, has uh, added support for the Xbox One controller and the PS4 controller, which is even cheaper than the Xbox controller. So you can easily connect uh, either of those two controllers, and you can have like a console-like experience with your phone or iPad. Uh, depending on what game you get. Uh, there are a lot of games out there. I recommended uh, Sky, uh, which is by an indie company, that game company. If you're the kind of person who really, really needs to get get used to like 3D movement, that's a great game to start with because it has no enemies. It's mostly just about navigation. And it's a great way to kind of like feel your way around, like moving around a 3D environment before you want to jump into like something like Call of Duty or something like that. All right. Now, and there also, are some... Also, 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 real quick, uh, uh, if you're on iPhone, uh, they have the Apple Arcade uh, uh, function, uh, they, which they just introduced last year too. Ten bucks a month, you get a bunch of games that are really, really high quality, exclusive to the Apple Arcade app. So you have to be a subscriber to play it. But all, most of those games are, are playable by controller too, and it's definitely worth checking out. And you can, and it's like Netflix, but for video games for your iPhone. Now, what about Google Stadia? Is that a, an option for people? It could be. Um, there's a lot of things uh, holding Stadia back. Uh, right now, the library is extremely limited. They only have a couple of dozen games. And a lot of games are really hardcore games, like Doom, Eternal, or Red Dead Redemption 2, really, really massive hardcore games. Um, the great thing about Stadia is that, you can open, that anyone can play it as long as you have an internet browser. Um, that's the beautiful thing about it. Like, you just have to get You just have to buy right now the Founders Edition which is $103, but the problem is that you have to be, for now, a subscriber to it. Um, and I forget what exactly the price is, but it's not a prohibitive cost. But on top of that, there's also like certain issues that, that, that come with streaming. Um, if you notice in Netflix, sometimes when you're watching, uh, the image in the movie might get a little blurrier. That problem is only going to get worse with Stadia because, because it's, it's uh, pushing through high-definition graphics and also trying to respond to your control. Uh, which would add to a lot more frustration. I would just recommend going with like a, like getting it used for PlayStation 4 at this point, while Stadia is still building out. And or if Google does announce its free option, which it still hasn't, then I would check that out too. But for now, I would I would kind of stick away with Stadia for a bit because you also need a high uh, speed internet connection, which most people in America uh, doesn't really have right now, especially with everyone being online and speed being a little bit slower now. All right, so we've given our listeners here a lot of information. Let's do it a bit in reverse order. You've already been over some of these kinds of things, but if you had a few don'ts, we've given them a lot of do's. What about some don'ts? Here are some things if you're beginning or someone who's used to play or whatever that kind of novice profile is. Give me some things that they should avoid doing if you could whisper in their ear some good advice. Sure, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good question. Wow, what is don't? I wish I thought about that before. Uh, you should be a journalist or something. <laughs> I think a good don't is try not to feel like that you need to be like like going after the big game at the moment. Like like everyone's playing Call of Duty Warzone right now, and it's like, okay, well maybe I should play Warzone, or maybe I should play Fortnite because everyone everyone and the kids are playing Fortnite. Like Fortnite is a really really hard game to play, and so like my advice is the way a lot of people get turned off from gaming is that when they probably play a game that is either too hard or too not interesting to them. Um, and, and then they'll just they'll stretch uh, like right off the whole genre or the whole medium altogether. So it's really important that you get an experience that, that is it's catered to you. Um, so it might not necessarily be Fortnite or League of Legends or whatever the big game of the moment is. That's probably my biggest challenge. 
Uh, do you like Mortal Kombat 11? Oh, I love Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, and it's cool that you, met, that, that you uh, brought, up, brought it up because I actually met the creator of Mortal Kombat in Vegas uh, last month uh, during a conference. And we were both in the buffet line, and, and he went off. But one of the guys behind the buffet line pulled me aside and was like, dude, is that the guy who made Mortal Kombat? And I was like, yeah, how, how did you recognize his face? That's crazy. But yeah, like, I, I, I love Mortal Kombat. To me, Ed Boon was, was awesome. Yeah, it's just amazing that like all these years later, they're, they're, they're 11 or however many iterations passed. It's it's yeah. a great game. Like the, it, it feels modern, but feels classic in some ways at the same time. They've done a great they, job with it. They really, really like, like uh, it's cool that you said that because they really, really want to push for modern to the classic. Like it has to feel like the old game, but it has to look amazing, which it really does. Uh, all right. Well, if you want more of Gene's article where he goes into a lot more depth on a lot of other topics, it's called So You Want to Be a Gamer. Here's how you can start. It's in the Washington Post. Gene Park, great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time today. Luke, thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.